Come on, let's give Jesus a better hand of praise than that. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. Do you know who holds your hand? All right, and that's what that song is about. Thanks, Brother Ellington, for that wonderful rendition. Let us stand up as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word this morning. Let us say the words on the screen together. You can pick up a Bible, raise it up, and hold it in authority as you say the words on the screen with me together. This is my Bible, the Word of God. It is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, open my ears to receive it and prepare my heart to contain it. I submit my will to it as the final authority in my life. Speak now, Lord Jesus, while I listen. Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you this morning from God our Father, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. Who am I? Is the theme of our message today. This topic was preached to you five years ago. That was in 2018 uh, as a part of a six-week series that we did under the title, Managing God's Way. For some of you who would remember that, if you can, managing God's way. During the course of that series, we touched on specific areas of our lives as relating to the theme of the series. Uh, it, it had been five years since we preached this message, and I do not apologize for preaching it once more to you all, and the reason why I do not apologize for preaching it again is because I'm quite sure that some of you don't even remember what I preached about last week. And so I was truly blessed by this series, and when the, the text came up in the lectionary for this week, I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, I think I need to spice this up and talk a little bit more about this topic. So in, a, in, a, in an overview of that series, on the first week of the series, we talked about how God created us and made us managers over his creation, that we are managers over God's creation. Uh, on the second week, uh, we talked about how God created us with purpose. And the emphasis text was taken from the text found in Luke 13, where Jesus cursed the fig tree. And when he did, the, the tree died. The reason was because the tree was created to produce, and the tree was not producing, so he cursed the tree to die. In uh, the week three and four of that series, we talk about managing our resources, how to manage our resources, and we talked about money, that God blesses us with money, uh, and he gave to us based on our will or ability to handle those uh, uh, resources that he gave us, and that the story in the Bible where he gave the talents to uh, uh, one and two and five, and each person were giving based on their ability to manage. And we talked about that, we made emphasis on how important it is to tithe in that message. On week five and six of the message, we talked about how we need to manage our flesh, the flesh. And so today we are going to talk about how to manage the flesh because that was what we talked about in the last uh, part of that series. In Romans 7 is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome wherein it talks about the common struggle we all share on the road toward heaven. 
we share this common struggle as we go. And the common struggle is the flesh, the flesh that we wear. The frustration we face when we are doing something we hate doing. The Bible calls it the desires of the flesh. The desire of the flesh. How the apostle was able to find a, the problem. Sin still lives in us is what he found, that sin still lives in us today. Sin kills the spirit, okay? When God told Adam and Eve in the garden, the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. The very moment they ate the fruit, they died because the spirit of man died in the garden of Eden that day and got disconnected from God. As a matter of fact, that's why they hid themselves when God came in the garden because they had no relationship with God after the spirit died. So spiritually, we, are, we become damaged and then and, and damaged also naturally the flesh gets damaged nat naturally as well. The spirit gets damaged spiritually when we sin. If you put your flesh in charge, the outcome of doing that is always destruction. There is always destruction. Evil is always present with us. We don't have to, to need the devil to do evil because evil is always present with us. When we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil or from the evil one, uh, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are simply saying deliver us from the flesh or deliver us from Satan. So we're not only praying the evil one, it's not only referring to the devil, but it's from the very fleshly nature that we walk around with every day. We need to get delivered from it. So the spirit is God's conscious, the soul is self-conscious, and the flesh is world-conscious. Say that one more time. Man is made up of three dimensions. We have a spirit, soul, and a body. And the soul is always God-conscious. God I mean, the spirit, sorry, is always God-conscious. The soul is self-conscious, and the flesh is world-conscious. We must remember this in our minds as we govern ourselves. This is very essential. And that's why when Jesus came and was speaking with Nicodemus in the Bible, he, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again? Doesn't mean he has to enter his mother's womb for the second time. Jesus says, no, what is flesh is flesh, and what is spirit is spirit. What he's actually telling him was that your spirit needs to be born again. Why does the spirit need to be born again? Because it was born before. Once upon a time, it was born again, and it died. It died when, when, when men fell away from grace in the Garden of Eden. So that's why, where the word again comes in, God saying, you must be born again. You were born before, but your spirit died in the Garden of Eden, and now you must be born again. So the, the spirit is only God conscious, and that's why that spirit needs to be alive in order for one to connect with God. A person will never know God or connect with God unless his spirit is alive in him. And that's why the, the new birth or new life is very important in the process of living the Christian life. Without it, you cannot do it. So the spirit is God conscious. You need your spirit to be alive to connect with God in heaven. And then the soul is self-conscious. Okay? That way, that's the place where we make all our decisions. It's in, within the soul. And so when a man gets born again, he has to make the decision as to whether he's going to follow the leading of his flesh or follow the leading of the spirit. 
That's a decision that you need to make. It is not a decision that God will make for you. The decision God makes for us is by coming and letting his son come on the cross and die to obtain eternal life, to give us eternal life. Now, the process of living out that life is dependent upon the choice or choices that we will make. If a person can be saved and sit in the church and not grow an inch, that's called spiritual defect. All right? And it's happening to so many. When you see a person very short and never grows, that person has a growth defect. And this is the same thing that happens with us as we come into the Lord. God's desire for his people is that we grow and become great in him. That's his desire. When we become, uh, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we don't go through the process of growth, it's because we chose not to. And that's why he tells us, walk in the spirit, that you would not gratify the desires of what? The flesh. Okay? So let's move forward. We will advise not to let the flesh drive anymore after you became born again. The flesh must not drive anymore because why? He has a very bad driving history. So don't let him drive. The, the, the tendency for him to cause an accident is very evident when you let him take the wheel and drive your life. The flesh must not drive your life. If he takes charge of, 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 of it, he could destroy your marriage. He could destroy your career. He could destroy yourself. He has a very bad history of doing something like that. So we, 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 do, we, do want, we don't want the flesh to be in control. And we said you can change the flesh. That's another thing about it. You cannot have it take control, but also you cannot change it. So you have to what? Deal with it. That's what we have to do. We have to deal with the flesh. Treat it like a little pet. I've said this over and again. Treat your flesh like a little pet. Put a leash on it and, 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 and control it as you walk. When you walk your dogs on the streets, you don't let the dog just walk everywhere, bite anybody wants to bite, jump on the street. You put a leash on it so that you control where it's going. That's why we do that. And that's how we need to treat our flesh. Treat it like a pet. Treat it and put a leash on it when you are walking with it. Look at what, how Paul talks about his flesh in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 to 27. says these words. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. You hear that? But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So the crown that we are fighting for is not a crown that will last for a moment. When a person runs in a race and wins the crown, he takes it home and places it in a place in his house. And sometimes forget about it. And it sits there for a while. And if this person expires or passes away, the crown becomes nothing and null and void. And sometimes we see it sitting in a thrift store place there because nobody sees the value of it except the person who ran and, 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 and won it. But the person no longer exists, so it's, it's, it's over with. But this crown that we are running for, Paul is telling us that this is an everlasting crown. This is a crown, this is a reward that, would not, that you would not stop being rejo I mean, joyful about. The joy of having this crown is going to be a continuous joy. Therefore, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Okay? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So I'm not here just beating the air 
or running this race aimlessly. I have an objective on mine, on my mind as I run this race. Do you have an objective on your mind as you run the race with Christ? Are you just doing this because it's a norm in your life to be in church on Sunday mornings? No, but we run it because there is, uh, we have an objective in mind to meet. We have, a, there is a reason for all of this stuff we're doing is to reach an end line. And when you get to that end line, there is an objective to meet. And that's why we are doing it. Paul says, I'm not just beating it. He says, what I do? Listen, he said, no. He said, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. But if emphasis here is the, 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 where he says, I strike a blow to my body. All right? He says, I make it my slave. It means I don't allow my body to control me and to tell me what to do and not, what not to do, but I control it and I tell it what to do. Uh, but today's message comes from, from, from right in the middle of this chapter, wherein the apostle Paul is still dealing with the subject of how we manage the flesh. There are six quick things I want to give you from this text, and I wish you were writing these things down to use later on, and you don't write these things down. You'll get some real good message from here, but if you write it down, you can go back and look at it again. I encourage you to come to church with a notepad and write down your me the messages as you receive them. It'll bless you later on. You could even pass it on. Paul said, what I receive, I pass on to others. How do you pass it on? Because we have the tendency to forget, so it's good to write it down. Six quick things. First thing Paul addresses in this book of Romans is the inner struggles. The inner struggles. Look in Romans chapter 7, verses 14, 15. He writes these words. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand why I do, what I do rather, for what I want to do, I do not. For what I hate, I do. Here he talks about being saved deep down inside, but still struggling. It's talking about a person who is born again, who has the Spirit of God living inside of him, whose spirit has been regenerated, but the person is still struggling. This is how you know that you are saved when sin starts becoming an issue in your life. That's how you know you are saved. If you're walking around the place doing whatever you can do and don't care about how God feels and don't care about how, uh, how it is affecting you uh, from the spiritual perspective, then it means that something is wrong with that salvation. If you're walking out of church week after week, getting out there in the world, doing whatever the world calls you to do, and then coming to church on Sunday, sitting on the pews, going back and doing the same thing over and again, with no ounce of, of conviction inside of you of what you're doing, something is wrong with that picture, my friends. Because the Bible tells us that when a person gets born again, he is a what? New creation. It's a new creation. It means the old is gone and the new has come. And if the new has come, the new comes with new desires, new tendency, new behavior, new cravings. All this thing gets new inside of you because why? The new has come. And then it becomes an inner struggle dealing with this flesh that is full of sin. So here is one example where Jesus preached a very hard message to his disciples. And he preached the message, the Bible says, many of them walked away. And then in response, in John 6, 6 to 68, Jesus says, for, it says, For this time many of his disciples turned back 
and no longer followed him. Why? Because he preached a very hard message, like the message coming from our pulpit on sin and these things we talk about. Some people don't like to hear it. This is not the kind of place that we want to come. They want to go to a church where they will preach message that will uh, appease to their, con their, their feelings and not to the conscience. And so, 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 so the Bible says after Jesus preached, they walked away. And so he turns to them. He says, do you not want to leave too? To the disciples, to those who left. He asked them, do you not want to leave too? And then, and then Jesus asked the 12. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, what, what, what God brings to us is real. What we receive from God, this grace that comes from God, is real. Eternal life is real, and only one person can give it, and the one person is Jesus Christ. You cannot get it from Muhammad. You cannot get it from Son Young Moon. You cannot get it from any other religion out there. Only Jesus gives it, and it's real. It's real. Paul realizes it, and he's asking the question, to whom shall we go? Who? Who else is out there that is going to give us what we receive from you, God? You are the only one that has the answer to eternal life. And my friends, I believe this is the reason why we stand in God. This is the reason why we rechose Jesus, because we know that he is the only one that can give this life. So we come to him for it. Give God a hand of praise. Yes, he deserves that praise this morning. He's the only one can give it. We cannot get it from anywhere. So, so, so the inner struggle would be there, but the only person that is able to calm that inner struggle is God himself. Why run away from him? A lot of people get discouraged and walk away from the church because they cannot put it together. And they walk away. I did that before when I was in my teens. I walked away one day from the church of God and said, I'm not coming back. I can't do this. I can't live this life. And I walked away. And in the middle of that walk, I felt good for a few minutes. And then I got arrested by the Spirit of God, asked me a simple question. So now, where are you going? That was the question. Where are you going? And I sat, I stopped under a tree. And I sat there. The sun was blazing hot. I was under that shade. And thinking about that question, where are you going? And the Spirit of God began to minister to me while I stood there. He told me there are only two Two places, there is a place that is occupied, a territory that belongs to the devil, and there is a, a territory that belongs to God. If you leave God, you are not going to a buffer zone. You are not going to an empty space. You are, you are falling right into the, ter the territory of the devil. And then I made my decision that day, I'm going to stay right under the cross. I stood there until he comes back. I stood there until he changes me. And look, staying under the cross, look what God has done. Look at where I have come. Imagine if I had walked away that they never turned around, came back. I wouldn't be to where I am today. But by his grace and by the anointing and by the spirit of God, he's brought me in this far. It's not by my own strength or power, but God did it and brought me this far. And I went through the struggles that I had to deal with. Look, he talked about the inner shame, not just the inner struggles, but he talked about the inner shame. In Romans 7, verse 18, he says, well, I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, he's saying. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. You see this? Paul here is not being hypocritical about his condition. He is shamed about the life that he's living. He acknowledges it. He acknowledges that there is a part of him that is sinful. It is okay to acknowledge 
that sinful part of us. It is okay to be ashamed of the sinful part of us because that's where God has brought us to this place. It's like he's taken our lives and he placed it under a spiritual microscope. And under that spiritual microscope, you can see everything about your life. And you're going, wow, I didn't know I was this messed up. And it brings shame to you because you can now see just how bad your life is. And you can see now the need for God, a need for a Savior, a need for the cross. You can now see the need for the blood of Jesus Christ. You can see that you cannot do this on your own. And now it brings about this shame. So he also recognizes the inability of the flesh to do anything good. The Bible says that the flesh profits nothing. Nothing good is in the flesh. I cannot carry it out, Paul says. I cannot carry it out. Here is the problem. People want to appease the flesh while living for God. You want to appease the flesh while living for God. Do you know why the church is empty on Sunday mornings? Many churches. It's because people try to appease the flesh. Oh, you know, today is my day off. I'm going to just stay home and rest. I work six days in a week, and today is my day to just stay home and rest. Try to appease the flesh. You wake up in the morning, oh, I feel too tired this morning. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm just going to stay home and rest. Appease the flesh. Follow the desires of the flesh. God is warning us about doing things like this, and it be, should become a problem to us. You can because the flesh knows no good. We have to understand this. The flesh knows no good. And we say, why can't I just be happy and live my life and do things the way I want to do it? You see, that's the desire of the flesh that is calling you to that path. It is not God. It's not God. And it's like squeezing a lemon and hoping to get orange juice out of a lemon. You cannot do that. And that's what people try to do. We don't want to live the life for God. We don't want to give our life to Jesus. We want, to want him to pour into us what he has for us. Instead, we still want the life of God to be radiating out of our lives. It doesn't work that way, my friends. We need to come to God with that struggle. We need to come to God in that shame and come to him acknowledging that we are nothing. Like when uh, 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 Jeremiah came before God and looked at himself and said, Woe is me! That's what we need to say. A man of unclean lips standing before a righteous God. That's how we need to look at ourselves when we come in that shame that only him is able to change our situation around. So let's look at the third point. Third point is he talked about the inner desire, the inner struggle. He talked about the inner shame. Look at the inner desire. Uh, Romans 7 verses 19 through 20. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. This is the reality of a person who is truly in God. When you sin, you don't fellowship with the sin. You, it's a reality that we sin, but we don't fellowship with the sin. We don't agree with the sin. We detach ourselves from the sin. And you know, it's like a person who comes out and say, when we talk about sexual orientation, we got folks who come and say, you know, I'm a man, but I think I'm a woman. In my body, I'm a woman. But I, I, I look like a man. I was, I was designed like a man, but inside of me, I'm a woman. And you got the woman saying, I'm a man. Even though I came out looking like this, but I'm a man. 
all right, and denied, the, we denied the existence of God, we denied that the reality that he created us to be just who we are. We denied that reality, and we, we walk away from the reality. But it is sin that is living in us, and we refuse to uh, recognize that. So they come and they say, it is okay to be this way. And then when you criticize them, they tell you, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites in the church. You live in sin. You do this, and you do that, and you do the other, but you come and you're criticizing me for doing what I do. And here's what I tell them. I said, there's a difference between the way you look at sin and the way I look at it. We all are struggling with sin. All right? It's a reality in our lives. What makes your sin different from mine is you have disowned it as sin, and I'm owning mine as sin. I bring mine to the cross. I confess it. I tell Jesus, I don't want this. Take this away from me. You are saying that it's good. It's okay. You are calling what is unrighteous, righteous. That makes you different from who I am. You may call me a hypocrite. I don't see myself as a hypocrite because I'm coming to God and I'm not denying my sins. I'm bringing it before him. I'm asking him to wash me, cleanse me, sanctify me. I agree that I have this problem in my life. All right? So the inner desire in me is to be cleansed. The inner desire in me is to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. That's my inner desire. What is yours? Your inner desire is that you're saying that you are created to be who you are. And that's your desire, and you're going to live it out. That's your desire. That's sin. So when we agree with sin, it becomes an issue. So Paul had an inner desire. This is a man who disagreed with sin on every front. All right? And his soul disagreed with his actions. The soul with, where, is, is, is where the will is, as I told you earlier. And he agrees, disagrees because in his will, he is choosing and doing things that are wrong that are against the will of God. And his soul inside of him is, 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 is grieving this thing. And he's desiring something else, but he's not having it. He speaks as a prisoner to sin. Picture a person caught and tied up against their own will. This is what it is. When a person is living in sin or trapped in a habit, in a sinful habit, it's like you've been trapped or caught by someone and tied against your will and held against your will. That's what it is. When a Christian uh, wants to live his life for the Lord and he is desiring to live for God but is trapped in a particular sin, this is what it is. You don't feel comfortable. You don't sit over there and be like, well, this is my life now. But no. You are sitting there and every moment you are hoping to be set free. You are thinking about where to get, get away from that, uh, from that trap you have been placed in. And that's, that's the kind of mindset that every Christian need, needs to have. We should not agree with sin and this, this is what it is. No. But we must have this inner desire in us to walk away from it. Let's look at the next point. He talks about an inner search. An inner search. Look in Romans 7, verses 21, 22. So I find this law at work, he says. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Look at that. The soul now at this point senses the goodness of God in him, which is flowing from your regenerated spirit. That's where it flows from, from the regenerated spirit. The soul wants that. The soul is desirous of that. He is panting for this. That's what the soul wants. The soul wants to live for God. The soul wants to be in the presence of God. 
and you see it's, it's, it, become a, it becomes a desire to just be with the Lord. And we become like the, like the psalmist says in Psalm 42 verse 1. He says, as the deer pens for streams of water, so my soul pens for you, my God. And what this the description of this text is talking about a deer that is in the in, in the forest and there is no water is 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 in a, in a dried area and cannot find any kind of uh, uh, water to drink and it is panting for water it is searching for water so thirsty and that's the kind of the inner desire that every Christian needs to desire to have that desire for the Lord to pant after Him to run after Him and to seek Him continuously so it, but it begins with an inner search inside of us we need to have that inner search for uh, to know what is happening in us like the, the, the psalmist says also Lord search me and know me and see if there be any wicked ways in me and that's the kind of mindset we Christians need to have we need to come to God and open up our hearts and allow him to search us but your soul feels like it's trapped uh, and, and cannot get to connect with your spirit. It's been hanging around the flesh for so long that it feels like it's going to die with any attempt to get away from the flesh because it's used to that lifestyle. And so you are so afraid to walk away. We get stuck in addictions. We get stuck in sin. And it's so difficult to just part away from, away from there because you're thinking, this is going to kill me. I had a friend a long time ago, he went to the doctor, doctor told him that you're going to die from smoking. You need to stop smoking now because your, the COPD level that's in you is too high. And the guy comes back to me and I say, so you're going to quit? He said, no. He said, I can't do this now. I've been doing it for too long. I've been doing this since I was in high school. And my friend died from that because why he was not able to divorce himself from smoking cigarettes because you see uh, 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 the desire that comes to us is only the, 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 let, let me put it this way addiction is only a desire it is not a need it is not a need and if you can break away from the desire you will live you will still live because it's not a need but many times it presents itself as a need and then it, it causes us not to, 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 to break away from it. And so there has to be an inner search going on inside of us, like it happened with Paul, who searched in himself and realized who truly he, he, he was. And now let's look at the next point. Next point, uh, which is our fifth point this morning, is he, he, we see an inner sorrow. In Romans 7, verse 24, he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death what a wretched man i am a shout of frustration is what we see here he's shouting in frustration finding out after finding out who he is now he gets into the mode of being sorrow sorrowful for his condition have you seen a person who is sorrowful for their condition on the earth? They're living a very poor life. They want to get out of that situation. It seems like there is no way out. Like the man standing on the street begging for money. Sometimes we don't know what caused him to be on that, that, that street corner begging for money. And when you only sit and listen to his story, it brings tears to your eyes. But things happen in people's lives and keep them trapped. And they can't get out of that situation. And it brings sorrow to their hearts that I wish I could have gotten up from here or I can get up from here and make my life back up again. But it seems so difficult. It seems so difficult to do that. 
And so that's, that's the situation we find. Paul is sorrow, in sorrow for his situation because he cannot do anything about it. You and I cannot do anything about the condition of sin in our lives. Nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. We have to first realize that. That trying to pick ourselves up is not going to work because we don't have the ability to do so. We have nothing inside of us to do that. But then also, here comes the sorrow. Why are we sorrowful? Because the flesh profits nothing. We cannot follow the leading of the flesh. All right? Because it leads to nothing. It does nothing good. It knows nothing good. Its desires and pleasure are all far away from the truth. It walks away from God. The flesh hits God. The flesh hits church. The flesh hits anything that God likes. And that's the flesh that we're carrying around every day. You see why it, 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 it keeps uh, uh, dissipating and disappearing and fading away? That's because of sin. Sin is in there, even though we are born again on the inside, but there is a corruption that is happening on the outside. As we age, we fade away. We fade away because of the sinful nature of this flesh that we wear. You cannot get anything from it. It's not going to profit you anything. What it's going to do in the ultimate end is it's going to go down to the grave. That's where it is headed. That's the direction that it is headed. We cannot follow it. We cannot follow it because it profits nothing. In 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world and anything in the world. Listen to this. Do not love the world and what? Anything in the world. See that? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. That's your gauge. This is your gauge to, to know whether you're going low on, on the things of God or if you are high in the things of God. That's the gauge. Do you love the world more than you love God? Look at that. The Scripture says it right here plainly in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world and love, the love of the Father is not in them. Do you understand this? Because Jesus says it, that you cannot love the world and love God. He says you will love one and you will hit the other. And that's what the text is telling us. Look in Mark 8.36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. What good it is for a man to gain this whole world and lose his soul in the end. And if you read the next verse in here, ask the question, what does a man have in exchange for his soul? Tell me, what, what is it that you have now that can be exchanged for your soul? Money cannot be exchanged for your soul. Your wealth cannot be exchanged for your soul. Your aspirations in life cannot be exchanged for your soul. Your soul is the most valuable treasure that you have. And that's what Bible is saying. And if you have to fight for anything, defend anything, it must be your soul. Because this body that we dress up and make it look nice, bring it to church and put some nice perfume and cologne on it, make our faces look right, come into church week after week, someday it's going to fall to the ground. It's going to let you down. It is going to let you down. And you're going to be left standing there with what? Your soul. The soul is going to depart the body, and it's going to exit this atmosphere. That means when it leaves the body, everything that you own here, everything you earn here, leaves here with it, and you leave this place, and you're out. What next? Then the soul stands before God. And that's why the Bible tells us that we cannot exchange the things of this world for our souls. In 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, the Bible says. 
but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The world and its desires, what? Pass away. Do you see the passing away of the world today? Can you see it? Can you see the changes that have happened in this world today? A lot of changes have taken place in the world today. The world can never be satisfied because the world is passing away. And this is the reason why every three years they come up with new models of this, new this and new that, trying to just appease the desires of people and make us feel like the world is going somewhere. When the world is actually going nowhere, this world is going to be burned, the Bible says, by fire one day. And when God speaks it, you better believe it because it settles it. It's going to happen. A day is coming when this earth is going to be placed on fire and everything in it will be destroyed by fire. So what is it that we are aiming or chasing or running after? Whatever we do, we need to do it with God in mind. This is why Paul feels trapped into, uh, into, into his body and he screams out, Who will rescue me? Which brings us to the last point this morning is the inner solution. Look at the inner solution he found. In Romans 7, 25, the eighth part of that verse is what? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. This is why I cherish the old rocket cross. This is why I exchange it for my crown. Because that's the only means through which man can obtain eternal life. Thank God for Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be saying. You know, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is only the blood of Christ that makes us whole. It is only the blood of Jesus that sanctifies. It is only the blood of Jesus that can keep us in God. And that blood he shed on the cross uh, over 2,000 years ago still makes the atonement for sin right now. It is there in heaven sitting on the mercy seat. We don't have to slaughter another animal. We don't have to slaughter another man. We don't need no other blood because his blood makes the atonement for our sins. And that's why Paul shouts, thank God for Jesus. Are you thanking the Lord for Jesus this morning? Is he, does he mean everything to you? Because without that blood, tell me where we will be today. Jesus came and did that. And he left. Did not just leave us alone, but he went and then he gave us his spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit has come in us to help us live the Christian life. The lead of life that will bring glory and honor to God the Father. That's why the Spirit of God comes in our lives. The Bible calls him the paraclete in the Hebrew, I mean the Greek, which means the one who walks alongside us. He will walk with you when you are helpless. He'll help you. But he's going to help you doing the things of God, not the things of the world. The reason he was sent, the Bible tells us, he, does, he will not do anything except what the Father or the Son tells him to do. Because they are one. And he cannot come and support unrighteousness. He will support righteousness. So when the Bible talks about him being our helper, he'll help you in the spirit if you need help in the spirit. And that's why Paul says, walk in the spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
in order for us to live out our Christian life and enjoy it to the fullest, we have to be living by God's word, living in God's word, living for God's word. And that's true that we're going to see his spirit walking alongside us, helping us every step of the way, speaking to us as we, we move along and doing the things that God has called us to do. I pray that you receive these words this morning from God. It'll encourage your hearts and encourage your faith, knowing always that if you follow God and you trust in him, he'll never bring you this far and leave you. God will never teach you to swim and let you drown. He will not build his home in you and move away. God will never lift you up and let you down. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, Amen.